Hey, this is Erin Lindstrom, and you're listening to Thank You For You. This is a show about celebrating and acknowledging our humanness as well as our beingness, the easy and the hard, the gifts and the (laughs) gifts we don't really like but choose to accept anyway. This is a show about and for people in pursuit of more peace, more joy, more money, more justice, and more of the awe that life has to give us. Thank you for being here, and thank you for you. Welcome back to Thank You For You. It's Erin Lindstrom, and I'm so excited for this week's episode with Amanda Muhammad. So Amanda and I have known each other for a couple of years now, and she is just one of the most like luminous humans <laughs> that I've met. Every time I talk to her, I feel uh, more grounded and just... She's shiny, man. Uh, so in this episode, we are talking all about mindfulness and compassion fatigue and what it means to have a mindfulness practice. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy. Yay, Amanda, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here with you. Yeah. So to to start us off, I have a question that I love to ask everyone, and you are welcome to interpret this as you wish. Take us on whatever kind of journey we're meant to go on. Um, but I would love for you to share a little bit about who are you and how did you get here? All right. Well, that's a, that's a deep question, depending how you look at it. Um, but whenever mm-hmm. I'm asked who I am, I always start with, I am a child of God. Um, as far as how I got here... Um, I guess it depends on what here is, but um, I typically just, I tend to follow what feels good and I'm grateful for doing that um, because it has led me to, you know, creating a company that I love and, you know, walking into a space where I'm able to kind of, I call it build my dream and create great days in a way that feels good for me in a way that's fulfilling. So just following what feels good and what feels in line with uh, what God has for me has brought me to where I am right now talking to you on this day. I love it. And will you tell us a little bit about like your work in the world? Sure. So I am a mindfulness-based stress management consultant, and that's just a few fancy words to say that I facilitate trainings <laughs> around um, employee stress management and also create resources for companies to um, share with their employees for different ideas and strategies for coping with stress they may be experiencing on the job. I feel like there's no time better than the present for your work. Like, I feel like it's always important. And in this moment, it's like, oh my gosh, everyone needs you in their life. (laughs) Yeah. You know how some people are like, oh yeah, find your target market and really narrow down in it. I'm like, no. uh -uh." Yeah. (laughs) You're like, no, everyone it's, you know, it's, it still amazes me the, the vast range of uh, clientele that I get it's, but it, it keeps it fun. It keeps it interesting and it, and it keeps, uh, it challenges me, you know, to make sure that I'm able to facilitate uh, trainings and resources in a way that's accessible to whoever I'm in front of. Mm, Yes. Can you talk to us? Can you like break this down a little bit when we talk about mindfulness? Like, what are we actually talking about? So mindfulness at its core is the practice of present awareness. And so with my trainings, what I do um, as far as mindfulness, because I mean, there's a lot of different things that can be considered mindful, right? There's a lot Mm -hmm. of ways to get to a place of being more present. Um, But I've narrowed it down to five evidence-based practices that I specifically teach on 
um, to help you build that present awareness and interrupt that cycle of just going back and forth between experiencing stress and reacting to it over and over until you spiral out, spiral out of control. And so um, the practices that I use are mindful movement and breathing techniques, affirmations, gratitude, journaling practices, and perspective building. And there's a lot that can go into those, but those were five different practices that I found were quickly accessible and easily digestible for the people that I was in front of to help them build these uh, skills throughout the day. So, you know, that was another thing was, you know, focusing on things that people could use no matter where they are. They don't need access to anything else. These are skills that are inherently built inside of you that can help you cope and build that ability to stay in the moment and to quickly bounce back from stress and different adversities that you experience throughout the day. Mm, I love that. I think it's so important too. And so interesting that like so many of the most powerful techniques, like literally just involve our bodies and a little bit of like knowing of what to do and how to interact with ourselves, but it's so accessible. Yeah, exactly. And and that's what i you know, that's what I like to teach. You know, people always ask me, they're like, oh, do you use this app or do you use this or that? And I'm like, you know, those apps are great, but I personally like to exercise, you know, doing these practices myself because if I'm in the middle of a desert for whatever reason, mm-hmm. but it's 2020, right? Anything can happen. Right. Uh, <laughs> if I'm in the middle of a desert or, you know, don't have access to my Wi Fi, but still need to access that calm, I need to know how to do that on my own. And another part of, you know, what I do is I actually train a lot of teachers and mental health professionals and how to use these practices with their clients and how to empower their clients to use them um, for themselves. And so, you know, when I'm working with students and, or I'm, you know, working with someone who's working with students and let's say, you know, there was this, there's this period um, and it's, you know, they still have them in classrooms where you use things like calm down boxes and different external objects to help you find the sense of calm. And they're really great. Um, until I hear about one of my teachers who's in uh, Plano, who has a, a, a student who their daughter has been, you know, getting access to these different tools and calm down boxes and stuff. And she has a complete meltdown in the middle of the grocery store and is screaming because she doesn't have her calm down box. Like oh, <laughs> trying to avoid yep. those types of things and make sure that we give ourselves and the people that we're working alongside access to, you know, resources that they can use no matter where they are. Mm, I love that. It's so interesting too, because but it's easy to, well, sometimes, right? It's easy to see in kids sometimes when they have like that breakdown of like, oh, <laughs> this is what it looks like to be having a breakdown. And I feel like so many times in the adult world, people don't even let themselves break down because we're in this like cyclical high functioning to then plummeting to low and going like back and forth that we don't actually even allow ourselves to express the emotions in between. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I I feel like having these kind of like tools to actually check in with ourselves gives you some space to actually feel your feelings, which in many ways, like doesn't always feel safe. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, a lot of us are stuck in our brainstem. We're stuck in survival Mm -hmm. mode. We're stuck in this Mm -hmm. space of just like constantly reacting to the stress that we are experiencing and not not taking that moment. And it all happens very, very quickly, right? That when you're processing information, when you're processing a stressful uh, moment that you're experiencing, it happens really fast. That information comes in and it shoots up to the part of the brain that's like, okay, we need to react and just try to survive in this moment. But when we use tools like these, like whether it's breathing exercises or even like taking time to journal and process our feelings and, you know, cope with a therapist or, you know, just taking that time to 
to constantly exercise that. It gives us the ability to access the part of our brain, um, the prefrontal cortex, but the part of our brain that does all of our logical thinking, critical thinking, planning, everything, all of those higher level executive functions take place in a part of the brain that we can't access when we're under tons of stress. It's Mm -hmm. way harder to access. And so we do get stuck in that survival state where we're, again, we're just literally responding before we can even think like that's when we start making like doing things and we're like oh shit I probably should have did that right like (laughs) but you know we're probably like oh man I shouldn't have responded in that way you look back and you're like oh man I really you know I acted a fool whatever it is um but that's because we don't have those tools in place to help us to cope and it's it's all a practice the more that we practice those tools to cope the more that we can access them when we really need them it's like anything else that you that you want to get really good at. I mean, managing your stress and responding to stressful situations, it takes practice. Mm, That's so important. So crucial. And so it's just fascinating to me when I think about like these tools and how important it is to actually like have this practice. And I know that it's being incorporated a bit in some schools and some, you know, containers for kids that are like growing up. But when I think back on my like upbringing, this was not part of it. (laughs) (laughs) And it's fascinating just because like, it's so important when it comes to actually like being a human to actually not just focus on like all of the achieving and the outward stuff. But if you're not like actually feeling okay, if you can't access peace within yourself, then holy moly that it can like, what's not what's the point, but wow, like you're missing so much, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you miss out on so many of those, um, you know, those moments that can be really beautiful, just trying to stay afloat, right? Yes, yes. When we're constantly like treading water almost. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the human experience can be a really beautiful one. And when you get to that space where you can like access that ability to sit back and be reflective and keep perspective, there's so many lessons throughout the day that like when we're under incredible amounts of stress or throughout your life, there's so many, you know, beautiful lessons that when we're under incredible amounts of stress, we miss that because we're just trying to survive the next thing. Right. Right. Yeah. We're in like that mode of like, okay. And even when things are okay, it's that we were just talking about this off air, like the anticipatory stress of like, well, the other shoe is going to drop, like something's going to happen soon. I can feel it. Yeah. And then, I mean, the things that that leads to the anxiety, the you know potential for experiencing things like depression and, you know, different health issues, most of them stem from unmanaged stress. Mm-hmm. Um, that's whether it's a, a real lived experience or an anticipated experience, our body responds the same way. And yeah. so when we're not allowing ourselves that time to cope and, you know, to, you know, take that time to process different situations and we're just literally again, stuck in that state, like there's consequences for that, whether we like it or not. Yeah. I'm wondering, so For you, like specifically, obviously, this is all like very important. I'm wondering, like, this work, to me, the way you speak about it, like you're passionate about it, there's something in you that's like, there is something here that's deeper than just like teaching exercises. Can you speak a little bit about that? If I'm correct, (laughs) if there is more there, like, I would love to hear a little bit about like your personal connection to this work. And like, why is this important bigger than just, you know what I mean? What's on the surface? Absolutely. I, you know, I have several uh, connections to this work um, from like a professional standpoint, from a personal standpoint, from a cultural standpoint. So I'll, you know, pick a rabbit hole or two to go down Mm -hmm. for you. But um, how I actually found these practices is where I'll start. Um, 
my, you know, when I was in college, I was experiencing some like pretty hard times. You know, my family was going through a lot. I had, you know, a few friends that were um, murdered and, you know, trying to cope was, I just wasn't coping in a healthy way and I wasn't sleeping. And um, I was using substances to help me get to a point where I could relax enough to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom didn't know all that, but she knew I was stressed and, you know, our whole family was, and, um, my brother had like told her, Hey mom, you need to stretch. You need to stretch. Cause he took some class down at college. And now all of a sudden he was a guru, a guru. And he was like, <laughs> Oh, you need to go to the yoga class. So she goes and she like falls in love. She goes to this like class at our local community college and she falls in love with the yoga class. And, um, she invites me out. And so I'm like, okay. And then like at the end of yoga class, I'm like, mom, somebody was snoring so loud. And she goes, Mandy, that was you. And we like bust out (laughs) laughing. And I was like, that's the first time that I was able to sleep organically. I had no substances. Like literally I just breathed. (laughs) I stretched and I just, you know, paid attention to my body and I was able to relax. And for me, that alone was powerful. That was so healing. And I was like, you know, what is this that didn't require anything outside of me? And my mom got me this little purple yoga mat from TJ Maxx. And I used to, I brought, I took it back down to my college town. I went to KU and I was uh, University of Kansas and I was rolling out my mat and just trying random stuff. I had no idea what I was doing, but I knew that when I did it, it felt really good for me. And then I found books like The Secret. Um, Someone from the church gave it to my mom, but The Secret by Rhonda Burns, like, you know, that's how I found really all of the power of positivity and perspective, Mm -hmm. things like that. And so I started following those practices and um, they took me a long way. You know, I I really realized the power of your breath, the power of your body, the power of your mind. Um, And I was studying at that time, I was studying management leadership in HR. Now I wanted to go off and climb the corporate ladder and be somebody's human resources director. Mm -hmm. Um, But I got to corporate America and I looked around and a lot of the people around me were pretty stressed and weren't really doing much to cope with it. And there weren't many resources available for us to cope with the stress. Now I had those tools and resources in my back pocket, but again, at the time I thought I was going to be a human resources director. And when I was stressed, mm-hmm. I would use them. And when I didn't use them, it was pretty obvious. And so, uh, <laughs> yeah. So eventually, um, you know, I, I was still wanting to do human resources and wanting to, you know, get into, you know, you know, HR and finding a love and passion for recruiting Um, I ended up leaving that big company and went to a small private company, but I saw the same thing. It was fun. And there was like ping pong tables and free booze and all of this stuff. But the people around me were pretty stressed and they weren't giving us any resources to cope with it. And again, I had those things in my back pocket, um, but I wasn't using them as much then. I'm pretty sure I quit the same day I was going to get fired. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) I've been there. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Right. That's like an entrepreneurial bingo point. I think. Oh, we should, we should make one of those. Mm -hmm. Anyways. Um, so then I ended up leaving there and got into, uh, education. And now in the background of all of this, I had really gotten into those practices and, Eventually ended up becoming a yoga instructor, a mindfulness trainer, um, studying compassion fatigue, really diving into those practices. But I was still working like in the corporate space and eventually left and went into education. And now education was fun. Like the kids were awesome. There's like art on the walls. You're getting socially appropriate hugs. But the teachers were still pretty stressed. And again, there weren't many resources for us to manage it. And so I have seen this in three places now. And I was like, you know what, like looking at other employees, like, you know, as awesome as some of them were, 
they seemed miserable. I didn't want my life to be that way. And I wanted others to, I wanted to empower others to be able to enjoy the work that they're doing. You know, I fell into education, but there are people that that is what they are on this earth to do. And then they get there and it's so stressful. They don't have any tools to cope with it or, you know, any resources available to them. And they're just trying to stay afloat. And I was like, you know, I want to be that person that, that helps you. And so I began, um, you know, teaching private yoga classes is how it started and eventually ended up uh, teaming up with some other organizations and facilitating training and realizing that, hey, that was my space. Like, I want to be this resource um, for people. So it really has been birthed from following that, noticing that, hey, this made me feel really good and seeing that gap of like, I want others to feel good too. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's that. And then taking it back. So my mom is also a yoga instructor. Um, She became a yoga instructor far before I did. But when she found those practices, like I said, she took me to class, but she also, she loved, she loved it. She still loves it. She still teaches yoga to this day. And it's the best yoga instructor I've ever had. Um, But my mom she wanted us to start a company called A Piece of Yoga, which was the first name of my private yoga practice. And the reason being is, you know, we're from Kansas City and she realized, she's like, why is this not in our community? Like, how come we didn't know about this? Why did it take my son going off to college to, uh, you know, learn about the power of like breathing and stretching? And if this is so healing on, on its own, why isn't this more in our community? And so she wanted to start a company. This is when I was in, in college still, but she wanted to start a company that served our community and taught them yoga practices. And that's how it, um, that's how it started for her. And so I actually built a business plan called A Piece of Yoga. And, you know, it was this practice and me and my mom were going to go around and, you know, serve our community and teach them yoga practices and different things that they could do to cope with their stress. Um, I just ended up moving off to Texas and doing it as a private practice, but she still teaches under that name, uh, back home in our, in our family, we have a karate dojo back home too. Wow. Practices, but yeah, so that's where it came from. It just is following that, recognizing the need and, um, you know, knowing that I was put on this earth to serve. And so doing that in whatever capacity I'm called to. Yeah. It's interesting too, that just knowing a little bit about your family too, and having the pleasure of working with your brother for a minute, like, (laughs) like, it's interesting that you guys, have um like movement and mindfulness as a like piece of the puzzle that almost feels like it's it's in your family's like blood yeah I mean I've been doing karate since I was well I did karate since I was (laughs) you know I mean itty bitty we've always had a karate practice um that turned into a dojo to another dojo to another dojo Um, but yeah, I mean, that was truly my first experience with mindfulness practices because we do a short meditation before we go into our practice. I just, once I got to high school, um, I got into basketball and dance and put karate on the back burner, but yeah, I mean, my brother, uh, was on the U S national team. Karate is pretty, pretty deep, uh, in our family and, you know, our, our whole family is, you know, involved in some kind of peaceful practice. Like we sit around and we have conversations on culture and religion and, you know, politics and all kinds of stuff. You know, it's, it's all, it's a very grounded family and I'm really grateful for all of them. That is so incredible. Like (laughs) I would love to be a fly on the wall (laughs) at a family gathering because it just sounds like transformative, really. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, now, I mean, we, we still are human and, like, yes. you know, we have our moments where we snap, of 
course, but like, um, right. but I, I do love my family. I think that, you know, so much of who I am and what I've built, you know, comes from things that I've seen them do even down to entrepreneurship. My dad is a full-time entrepreneur as well. Um, mm-hmm. in the karate school and, um, you know, following some different passions of his. And so, um, yeah, <laughs> they're awesome. Yeah, that is so cool. So I have a question for you because so with this theme too of entrepreneurship, um, would you say that like entrepreneurship takes a level of courage? Oh, yeah. (laughs) And I'm wondering, (laughs) yeah, I'm wondering like, because it's, it's scary. And especially like, you know, we talk about like following our heart and following the fun and following like what we think is right. And like, it sounds like such an easy thing. But I think the truth is like, that is the hardest thing to do, even though it looks easy from the outside. Or when we're looking back, we're like, it was natural. But like, the truth is that it's internally, like, sometimes there's a bit of a a struggle that we go through in order to honor what we know is right, even though it might not look that way in that moment. Um, And so I'm wondering, like, do you find or think that there's a link between courage and mindfulness? Yeah. Um, I mean, absolutely. I think that, you know, so first of all, I I, I always call um, entrepreneurship. It's like, it's faith personified. Like you have to, mm. be able, you have to be willing to trust. You have to have the courage to trust. You have to have, you know, the faith to not know a hundred percent what's going to happen, but just know and trust that things are going to work out in your favor. Um, so, I mean, absolutely. And, you know, building that present awareness, like I, for me, you know, my morning routine is like everything for me. And if I don't start with it, it is very, obvious like in the whole way that I have my my from my sales calls to the stuff that I create to you know everything and my morning routine is so you know wrapped up every piece of it involves mindfulness right um but there it's those things that you do throughout the day that like help you to power through those those hard moments because entrepreneurship I hate to say that it's hard (laughs) just because words are powerful (laughs) Mm -hmm. um but it you know it does come with its challenges um but unfortunately, a lot of times, like we don't, we don't have, we don't always get the uh, luxury of like sulking and like, you know, because we have to keep moving. And so you have to kind of find that balance of taking care of yourself and coping with those hard moments and having the courage and making that decision to keep pressing on anyway, no matter what things look like. Right. Mm, so good. So for people who may be listening and perhaps are at the beginning of their mindfulness journey, or at least knowingly at the beginning, right? Because I think it is a lifelong thing, regardless of whether or not you know that you're on it. Um, But do you have any um, words of advice or wisdom or somewhere where you would tell them to kind of like start? Yeah, well, the first thing, I mean, you kind of hit on it already, but just knowing that it's a practice, you know, it's not something that we need to, that we're, that we're doing to master. It's not something that you're going to be perfect at. Like thoughts are going to come up and all of that is okay. It's about paying attention to it and being okay with what comes up and then, you know, navigating accordingly. Um, I think, you know, start small. Don't try to take on, you know, this whole extravagant routine just to get yourself discouraged when it's not perfect. Like mindfulness is everything from saying, thank you for this day to taking a few deep breaths to meditating for 45 minutes. I mean, it can look so many different ways. So I would suggest that you find what works for you. Like don't look at, you know, what everyone else is doing and, you know, try to do that, do what feels good for you and be present in that. And that is your mindfulness. 
Mm, I love that. Well, thank you so much for having this conversation and thank you for taking the time to be with us. Thank you for doing this work in the world and very sincerely, like, thank you for you. Oh, thank you so much, Erin. And thank you for you. You are just absolutely awesome. And I love everything that you're doing. Thank you. (laughs) Hey, it's Erin. And I want you to know that you matter. Everything you're doing and everything you've done, it all matters. It all counts because you are important to the people around you, your family and friends, your audience, your clients, and quite honestly, to the world. Whether you're changing lives on the front line or changing lives while you're changing diapers, your presence matters. Every life you touch counts. And from just one interaction, there can be infinite, meaningful effects. And for that reason, I want to thank you for showing up and doing the work to be with yourself and share your light and your gifts and your love with those around you. If you want support with any of this human being stuff, you're always welcome to join me inside of my coaching membership, Human Being Club at humanbeingclub.com or follow along with me on Instagram for more behind the scenes, silly stuff at Erin Lindstrom. Once again, thank you for being here and thank you for you.